Acting Up with Jamie Crick. Hello and welcome. This is the first ever Acting Up, your weekly theatre guide with me, Jamie Crick, West End star Kerry Ellis and theatre commentator Johnny Bunyan. Each week we'll bring you the important news stories plus interviews and we'll meet some of the unsung heroes of theatre, the backstage crew, the front of house people. In fact, anyone who has anything to do with theatre all over the UK. Now this week I'll introduce you to the team and we look back at our best memories of 2018 uh, with a bunch of closures and openings currently coming in London's West End. We'll also look forward to this year with Johnny Bunyan and Kerry Ellis. You know, theatre is just my life. I live in it and I love it. As Le Miserable announces its moving theatre to make way for a long-awaited refurbishment of the Queen's in Shaftesbury Avenue, the version of the show that comes back later this year will be totally different. It's the current long-running touring production which has done so well on Broadway. We're going to talk to Matt Hemley from the Stage newspaper who says it's like the end of an era. I've got to say I've been quite surprised by the outpouring and the love for the revolving stage, which seems to be the the issue that most people have kind of caught on to. Later, Johnny meets the musical director of hit musical Aladdin, Alan Williams, who tells us about the night when one of the show's biggest stars failed to turn up on stage, on cue. There was one night where that whole scene was revealed, the whole scene was there, and Aladdin went to go and get the lamp, and the lamp wasn't there. All that, now I'll be sharing a coffee with the top team at London's iconic theatre restaurant, Joe Allen's. All that to come in the next few minutes. So welcome to the very first Acting Up. And every single week joining me will be Kerry Ellis. <laughs> hello! Nice to see you. And Johnny Bunyan as well. Hello, hello. Um, we're going to be talking about theatre. We're going to be talking about being in it, the issues that are coming up, um, all sorts of uh, different experiences as well. I mean, Kerry, for you, what does theatre mean? Well, theatre's my life, you know. I'm, I'm always here, there and everywhere doing all kinds of different types of theatre. I've done musicals for 20 years, can you believe? All kinds of pantomimes, uh, West End shows. I've been on Broadway. Um, I do a ton of concerts. You know, theatre is just my life. I live in it and I love it. I've chatted to you before. What I love about theatre is there's the Dominion and uh, there we were in a corridor uh, with loads of bits of set and doors and whatever. You were eating some soup. It was lunchtime. <laughs> you know, the glamour of it is, is, is not what that bit is not what most people see, is it? So, I mean, doesn't that get you down sometimes? Some not of the backstage always, bits. But you know, that's the real life of it. You know, that is my day to day. The backstage, the, the, the general life of people living and working and breathing theatre that's kind of what I love about it and then literally you know you step on the stage and there is the glitz there is where you step into that magical land you know things like Wicked and things like My Fair Lady those beautiful sets and costumes and you know that's when you step into the to the kind of forbidden planet you know the different the different world the backstage is the real life and the normality and everybody getting on and doing their job to the best they can yeah so we'll, we'll talk more about that in a moment because um Kerry is very much our sort of backstage done the show been on the stage but <laughs> Johnny you also I mean you you are going to be talking to people all over theatre and not the people we usually hear from, like stage managers, the 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 box office team, who will sell you a ticket if you rock up one afternoon uh, and try and get a good deal for a show that night and so on. I mean, there's a whole different side to the theatre. If you like a uh, swan-like, there's the show, 
which mm. is always lovely and perfect. But underneath... It's not always perfect. <laughs> yeah. Underneath there's a massive amount going on, isn't there? There absolutely is. And actually my background working in marketing is a role that probably most listeners won't necessarily understand. And we'll, we'll talk through that. But it's important to reference the fact that, as you say, there's a whole host of other people that are fundamentally involved with the show happening and, and the theatre theater as, as a whole. So for me, I'm fascinated by going behind the scenes, talking to, as you say, anybody from box office to wigs to wardrobe to musical directors, anybody that fundamentally is there to help not just support the performers on stage, but the whole process from the moment mm. the customer walks in the theatre and sits down. And, and the, the audience as well. We're going to be talking to people uh, who are in the audience so if you get a um, sort of proposition by a man with a microphone saying i'm acting <laughs> i'm acting up it's him all right it is, yes. That's, i'm so, very friendly though, aren't I? you're very friendly <laughs> yeah. thank you so when did you first what's the thing about theater that first grabbed you ultimately seeing uh, an audience being in an audience and watching performance that you just get taken away to somewhere completely different and i think that's what it is about it's about we all have our own problems, our own struggles in our lives, and the ability to be able to sit in a room with like-minded people watching a performance that just totally makes you escape for two and a half hours is unbelievably incredible. And, yeah. and for me, that's why I wanted to get into it. I was interested in performing to start with, worked out I can't dance, so that didn't happen. Um, but in all fairness, I'm still a part of that journey because being involved in marketing, being a box office, and, and I've known Kerry for a long time, it's all lovely to, to be all part of the same thing. Yeah, Kerry, was there a moment for you that you you know, were younger and you sat in the audience and thought, this is what I want to do? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I did go and see a famous, famous, famous show, Les Miserables, and when I was 13 for my birthday, and that was a magical experience for me. But prior to that, I mean, I'd grown up being part of a local dance school, being part of local shows. So it, it was a different experience because it was in my blood. I know it's such a cliche thing for people to say, but it really was. I knew that I wanted to perform, I wanted to be on stage. And then when I went to go and see shows... There was that fire lit and there was that just excitement of this is definitely what I want to do. But being on the other side and and performing and, and creating those stories for people is is magical. Was me. there anybody in your family that performed at all? Because like, no. often performers in the West End have got background in performing. They have. And no, I mean, my, my dad was a policeman and my mum worked in social services. My brother is now a freshwater fish consultant. I mean, we couldn't be right. more different. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's Christmas just day mental. at your house must be <laughs> interesting. It's, Fascinating. It's, I don't quite know how I, how I did it. Although my son now, my eldest son, Alfie, is so hyperactive, has so much energy. He needs to be kind of put into something, you know, to, to release that energy. And I think maybe that's what it was for me. I was like, I needed to do something. And, and I love doing that. We're going to talk a lot more to these two about the theatre experiences in the next few weeks, and it's great to have you on Acting Up. This is the new weekly podcast talking about theatre, looking at theatre from every single angle, including hearing from you with competitions and getting in touch about shows you've been in. We'll talk about more of that in a moment, but um, let's talk, uh, Johnny and Kerry, while I've got you, about shows closing and opening, because as we go into January, this is, is this, I wouldn't I want to say a busy time for closing shows, but there is a lot sort of leaving us and the prospects of some really exciting shows coming in. Johnny, what, what's, um, what's close? I mean, last weekend we had a couple of closures. We did indeed, didn't we? yeah. So 42nd Street, I'm afraid, has tapped its way out of the West End. Fantastic cast, brilliant performance and a great that show. Smooth. That Thank you very smooth. much. I like that link. Wasn't even written down. And Dream Girls, of course, is closing on the 12th as well as Kinky Boots. So we've got a couple of big, big, big West End shows that are, that are leaving us. But of course, as you say, it makes way for a raft of new shows coming in. And yeah. it's very exciting what's coming in this year. Mm. Yeah. 
Well, we've got Frozen, we've got Waitress mm -hmm. as well. Dear um, Evan Hansen. Yeah, got? I'm so excited about seeing that. Nine to Five is yeah. coming. Yeah. And yeah. Don't, uh, don't forget Only Fools and Horses. Oh, yeah. You know, I, I was up watching uh, the television. I saw David Jason talk about it. And uh, people on the one show were asking him about musicals and how he felt about it. And he was just like, "This it's just amazing that people are celebrating all the work that they've done and now in a new, you know, a new way. And uh, I think it's going to be great. My dear friend Diane Pilkington is going to be marvellous in it. And I think it's going to be great fun. People will love it. What does it feel like when you're in a show... And you get the, you know, the notice it's going to close. I mean, because for you guys, you're, you're doing your all every night. You're on stage. Is that dispiriting in any way, or is it just a natural, natural end to what's going on? I don't know. I mean, it's only happened to me um, once when I was actually doing a show, and we only finished two weeks early. So I don't. Mm. It wasn't a huge dramatic exit. You know, from speaking to other people, yeah, it is devastating because it is your life. You know, it is your your paycheck, it is your income. and But on the other side, you know, of all the producers and everyone that puts money into these shows, it's such a difficult industry. I don't think yeah. people quite realise how much money and how much effort and preparation goes into putting and sustaining a musical. Yeah, well, of course, and the shows, I mean, they, you know, they were quite, I don't want to say simple years ago, but now the oh. technology behind a West End show is extraordinary. Oh, and, but, I mean, you look at something like Bat Out of Hell, it is just, it's huge. It has, you know, cars that fall into water. It has a guy that jumps into water. It has big, massive, huge moving sets, people flying. I mean, these are expensive shows. Wicked is another one. The the bubble, you know, the, the flying, it, it's so expensive to run. And, mm. and I don't think people quite realise it. So when, when something does close, you know, it's understandable. It really is. And also, it's I think in this day and age, actually, what's tricky for companies is the fact that the social media, unfortunately, plays such a big part in rumour mills mm. and, and often theatres as well. If you think about the fact that you've constantly got producers and shows wanting to get into that theatre, often people will have rumours out. And unfortunately, some, in some instances, casts have found out that the show's closing through social media or other people rather than the producers, which is, must be an awful thing to happen. Yeah, social media has changed everything. Yeah. And, and, and I, the comments people make about oh, shows and stuff. And I've seen it happen because obviously when I started in theatre, we didn't have it. And now it's a bit of a grey area because on one hand it's really... Um, positive and supports the show it, it talks about the show it gets you know information out there people love seeing all those backstage snippets but as with everything there's no real control there's no there's no boundary so somebody could ping up and say oh I'm, I'm sick today I'm not coming in I'm not doing it I'm really sorry and, and that's before any of the other cast members know and it, it's tricky you're listening to Acting Up, the new weekly podcast with Jamie Crick and Kerry Ellis and Johnny Bunning. And we'll be here to talk about all the issues going on in theatre and our experiences. And we want to hear from you as well. Tell you more about how you can get involved a little later on. But um, let's talk about it being New Year. The shows we loved most last year. Johnny, choose a show you loved most last year. I know this is an obvious one, but to be honest, Company. I, I mean, I saw an awful lot of shows I didn't last see year. It and I kicked myself. Well, it's still going. We're still, we're still oh, on. We're it's still extended on. to March. I yeah. need to go. I need to go. I need and to see the it. little EPK is out now. It yeah. looks fantastic. It really is, but it is genuinely one of those shows that I think is a kind of once in a lifetime opportunity to see such a well known show have this reworking, have this incredible life put into it by Marianne Elliott. And I absolutely. Absolutely, I fell in love with it, and I thought as a, it's one of those times where you go to the theatre, the company are on point, the set, the lighting, the music, everything, and also the audience. That's another thing. The audience were just so behind it, and it's that electricity that you feel from an audience when they 
burst into applause spontaneously and everybody is behind the show. It is mm. just phenomenal. Loved yeah. it. Yeah, Stephen Sondheim as well. I mean, there's a huge following for Stephen Sondheim that, that every time one of his shows comes on, it really introduces people to the genius of the man and the, the ability that he has in company, of course, changed with his permission into this slightly different version of mm. it is really fascinating. Kerry, what about you, uh, a show for 2018? Well... I, it's tricky for me to even get to the theatre because I'm, I'm usually You're working on it. In, You're on it. Yeah. I'm usually on the other side um, <laughs> or being a mum, you know, um, so it's tricky. But I do, I love to go if I can. Um, but two shows I did get to see and I love seeing things in their very early stages when they're almost being created and worked on. And I saw Six and Eugenius, like literally a night after. Love Eugenius. After, it's uh, just oh brilliant. And why that show isn't hasn't transferred and made, I think it will oh, I, think I think there's think lots of legs going on there um, legs absolutely it's got lots of legs I've not sung yet I've not been showbiz this is, this is your first... I'm doing jazz hands you can't she see is, it she is it's She's your first new theatre term here yeah go on sorry <laughs> hashtag legs yeah. hashtag legs it's got lots of hashtag legs yes um, <laughs> no I think I you know shows like that that have um, a new outlook they have new writers they have they're brave they you know they push the boundaries a little bit I love them both for different reasons. They were completely new writing. Six, I mean, those girls were phenomenal. Mm. The writers mm. were unbelievable. And I think, you know, it's exciting when you, you have new writers come on the scene because you just don't know what's going to happen yeah. next for them. And when you get a British musical like Eugenius and so on, which is totally different from the big Broadway shows. I mean, it really is quite a fascinating idea. I loved it. But works. Oh, I loved it. And Ben Adams, who wrote all the music for it, I met, and he was just amazing. He was like, yeah, yeah, we've, you know, we've put this show together and, and we're really beside ourselves of how successful it's been. It was very kitsch. The music was great. You came out singing those songs, which is what you want. And I was moved by it, and, and I laughed, and I just thought it was really great, and I enjoyed both of them, and I, yeah, they're my two. Yeah. Fingers crossed for West End this year. Fingers yeah, absolutely. Crossed. Well, I, I, can I choose one as well? Because um, you've mentioned it already, but Bat Out of Hell for oh, me is, was one of the I shows. Loved it. Which I went along to see, and I, you know, I like the music of Meatloaf, and I met uh, the two leads uh, as well and interviewed them, but I thought, what is this going to be like? How are they going to do this on the theatre? And it's operatic. It's everything a show needs to be. It's like Wicked. You, you leave and you go, what was that about? It was just an incredible mm. collection of performance music and the staging of it. Oh. I don't know how they do it, really, it because... Was, it's such a big show. You really yeah. felt you got your money's worth, I think, with yeah. that show. It was absolutely fantastic. Well, look, it's really good to talk about last year. We're going to move on to this year in the next episode of Acting Up and the shows we're looking forward to seeing because we've got a, a couple more closures to come up this weekend. But Kerry and Johnny, thanks so far. Thank you. Thanks. Acting Up with Jamie Crick, Kerry Ellis and Johnny Bunyan. Now let's look at some of this week's news and a new survey says nearly a quarter of young adults never go to the theatre, preferring to stay at home and watch TV or use social media. Well, the survey is actually for a theatre and church insurance company, Ecclesiastical, and shows high ticket prices are putting people off and more subsidised tickets would encourage younger people back into theatre land. Well, the state newspaper has published its New Year list of the 100 most influential people in theatre and unusually an architect is at number one. Johnny, that is unusual, isn't it? It really is, because actually Steve Tompkins, who last year was at number 23, so he's jumped up substantially, but it's actually to say a huge thank you to him, because he has been 
absolutely at the pivotal centre of theatres like London's Royal Court, the Young Vic, the Bush, the National Theatre, and even the, the Drury Lane Theatre, which is currently being refurbished. He was also responsible for the Liverpool Everyman, which he was involved yes. with from scratch. So I have to say, it's lovely to see a uh, sort of someone from behind the scenes getting the accolade of, of top spot. Yeah, but where, where does that leave the likes of um, Andrew Lloyd Webber and Cameron McIntosh? Because the, surely they're there somewhere. They are hot on the heels. Number two, we have the fabulous Sonia Friedman. Um, and then, of course, Anjad Weber takes number three and Karen McIntosh number four spot. So they're not far off number one. In his 70th year, you'd have thought maybe, you know, he'd have got the top spot. Well, they've had it quite for quite a few years, I think. So I think it's lovely that they're still up there. They're still very much the top five. It has to be said that, of course, Karen McIntosh um, continues to refurbish a lot of his venues. So mm. putting lots of work into theatre. But yeah, I have to say it's great that well, they're and, the top five. And, of course, uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber with uh, 42nd Street coming out and... Uh, Theatre Royal and Coachgate and all the parking <laughs> problems uh, that we've talked about on that. Well, it's also been announced that Les Miserables is moving home to the Gilgood Theatre just along Shaftesbury Avenue from the Queen's Theatre, where it currently plays. And now the Queen's was last refurbished decades ago when the modern facade you see was added following bomb damage during the Second World War. When the show returns to the newly reopened Queen's Theatre in December, it will be the new touring production, which has been playing on Broadway and has knocked up £30 million of advanced ticket sales for the UK and Ireland tour this year. Now, is the change the end of an era or an enhancement of the show, which is in common with many long-running productions that change over time anyway? Well, joining us on the line uh, is Matt Hemling, news editor at The Stage. Matt, thanks for joining us. Uh, you broke the story uh, yesterday as part of the, the furore that took off what's been the reaction i've got to say i've been quite surprised by the outpouring um and the love for the revolving stage which seems to be the the issue that most people have kind of caught on to the fact that obviously when the new touring version of the show moves into the queen's theater once it's refurbished at the end of this year uh, it's going to be replacing the original production which obviously has that beautiful revolve which will no longer be part of the production. I have to say, I absolutely agree. The, the, the reaction has been incredibly uh, respectful to the original production. But actually, the touring production is a completely different design. It's going to refresh it. I suppose one of the questions that I've got to ask you, because it's been asked a lot, is, is it actually going to be still the world's longest running musical if, if the production's kind of changed? You see, this is the, this is the million-dollar question. This is what I'm trying to get to the bottom of at the moment. Um, obviously, that is what people are thinking about because like you say it's not going to be that royal shakespeare company production that has been around for more than 30 years it's having this completely new director it's a new design so in effect it's a new production so can you get can you argue that it's the same you know the longest running obviously they're going to say it's the longest running musical regardless of which version it is but I am going to try and find out a little bit more as to whether or not that is possible and whether they can get away with that. Matt, it's Jamie here. I'm just wondering about the new production because, you know, shows do change. Even Les Miserables changed over the years from the original very long production to the one we see today and it has been adapted to fit into a smaller theatre at the Queen's than it was at and so on and so forth. So um, is, it, is it a catastrophe or is it just the next incarnation of a much-loved show? Oh, I certainly don't think it's a catastrophe. I mean, what what you can always say about Les Mis, regardless of the particular staging aspects of it, is that it's got a fantastic score, and that's not going to change. People, are, the audiences are still going to hear that amazing music and those beautiful songs sung by probably some of the best performers in the business, uh, whether that's you know on tour or in the West End. Like you say, things change, things evolve. 
Um, it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be a worse production. It's just going to be different. And I've also had people on Twitter coming and saying, well, you know, we've seen the touring production and actually we got more out of it. We got more out of that version. So I think, you know, there's always a tendency to react when something changes and something different happens. But I think once people get used to it, it will be fine. Finally, Matt, just on the company themselves in terms of John Kerr, Trevor and on the original creative team, have we heard anything from them when it comes to this? Because obviously it's not their production anymore. Are they kind of silently being kind of paid off or do we have any kind of uh, reaction from them to this story? At the moment, we we have had no reaction. I, I'm desperately trying to speak to Trevor Nunn because I would love to know how he feels about the fact that his production is no longer going to be running in the West End. The only person who's made any kind of contact with me is Frances Raffel, who um, obviously was the original Eponine. And she certainly seems to be quite upset that the production she was a part of is no longer going to be around. And she says that nothing really compares to this original production with with the Revolve and all that original choreography. Um, But yes, it will be interesting to see whether the creative teams have got something to say about this. And in particular, the the Royal Shakespeare Company too, of course, because it's it's their production and a source of valuable income for them too. So it'd be interesting to see what happens there. Acting up with Jamie Crick. When you buy clothes from Balkan, you're not buying from just another online retailer. You're buying from a five-star rated brand. Fit and quality is at the heart of everything we do. And you're not buying throwaway fashion either. You're buying meticulously crafted, elegant pieces that you'll love forever. Our collections are defined by foundational pieces infused with timeless essentials and relevant trends. Marie Claire described our collections as everyday designs with a cool fashion edge. And The Telegraph said, if you're after a perfectly pulled together, paired back capsule wardrobe, then Balkan is your go-to. Right now, you can enjoy a little luxury for less in our end-of-season sale. And with free delivery and returns when you spend £59, there's never been a better time to try us. In fact, the only difficult bit is spelling our name. Balkan. B-A-U-K-J-E-N. Find us at balkan.com. That's B-A-U-K-J-E-N.com. Acting Up, a Muddy Knees Media Production. This is Acting Up, the new weekly podcast about theatre. It's Jamie Crick here with Kerry Ellis and Johnny Bunyan. Johnny, we've got uh, an Amdram feature where we want to hear... From people who've been in shows all over the country. Absolutely. We want you, the dear listener, to get in touch with us about your experiences in amateur dramatics, whether you were a kid at five or whether you're still doing it now at 35. We want to know what kind of disasters have happened to you on stage. (laughs) So has a set fallen on you? Have you tripped up? Has something even more ridiculous happened? Please do let us know. Now, Carrie, I know you're a concert professional, so the chance (laughs) of this happening to you will be so unlikely. But have you got a little nugget of something that you just thought, goodness me, that's hilarious? I mean, so many things have happened to me over the years, but the best thing for me is when something is left, something random is left on the stage that shouldn't be there, and it's almost like there's a giant pink elephant on the stage. And all the actors will notice, nobody else will notice, but... It's, it can be anything. It can be a shoe or a bit of costume. And I find that the funniest thing. Does it set you off? Oh, it's oh, I'm the worst giggler ever. I mean, anyone that's worked with me will know that I'm <laughs> awful. So we'd love to hear your stories. Let us know what's happened to you by emailing hello at actinguppod.com. Hello at actinguppod.com. And we'll read out the best next week. Our favourite story uh, will give you the chance to have an, an exclusive prize, actually. We'll invite you and a friend into the studio here in London to watch us record the show and meet the team as well. 
Well, it's not just amateur theatre that suffers from things going wrong. It can happen on the West End stage, as we've already heard from Kerry Ellis. Uh, Johnny, you've been to meet somebody else who's had a little problem with a big show. It's Aladdin in the West End, and one of the major cast members didn't turn up on cue. Absolutely. We'll find out what happened in just a moment. Now, each week I'll be meeting some of the people you don't see on stage, but they're fundamental in a show coming together. I popped down to a central London rehearsal room this week to talk to the fabulous Alan Williams, musical director of Aladdin. I began by asking him what exactly is a musical director? The main role of the job that people would recognise and would see is that the, is the person that stands in front of the orchestra and the stage and conducts the music for the show. Um, the other parts of the job are they teach the cast, um, rehearse the cast, rehearse the orchestra, deal with them. Um, anything that comes up on a day-to-day basis, anything musical-related. From your perspective, when you first start on a production, and obviously Aladdin is the musical you're currently MD on, what what are the kind of challenges you face when it comes to beginning a musical right the way through to working on it night after night? Well, there's so many different challenges, um, you know, because the, the role is also to look after a lot of people, to manage a lot of people. So there's that side of the job, which is a sort of managerial position, and then there's the musical side of the position. So... Um, both have their different sets of challenges but um you know i trained uh, as a musician and have got good classical training so generally the challenges that for me happen more in the managerial than in the musical because you um you never know what you're gonna have to deal with or who you're gonna have to deal with um or what might be thrown at you but whereas the music is a little bit more prepared i guess uh, tell us about Aladdin. Um, I'd love to know, our listeners probably love to know, any kind of fun stories or anything that might have happened um, from your perspective. Obviously, you conduct the show night after night. Um, anything that kind of perhaps they wouldn't necessarily know oh, is actually, going there's, on? There's one night, so I can just think of one funny story. Um, and it's, Aladdin is obviously a sh- story about Aladdin and his lamp. And there was... The, the, um, the lamp isn't revealed until about two-thirds of the way through Act one and there was one night where the that whole scene was revealed the whole scene was there and Aladdin went to go and show get the lamp and the lamp wasn't there there's nobody on stage at all just Aladdin and me conducting the show and I'm in a vamp bar so a vamp bar means you're going round and round one bar over and over again and this one bar vamp was quite slow and it's just played by the three trumpets normally it goes round about three times but of course this time we're going to go in longer and longer and longer because there's no lamp there so I'm getting on the phone to the D- uh, DSM saying there's no lamp they're like yes we know there's no lamp there's no lamp and he just wasn't appearing he still stood there and I'm meanwhile going around this one one for this one bar vamp anyway eventually it, it came but somebody just hadn't set the lamp so I someone couldn't... just had to run on with it yes no he Aladdin ran off and they handed it to him <laughs> fine <laughs> so okay. that, was, that was really that was quite recent actually somebody, that was a like human error somebody yeah. missed it but it just happened to be in a one bar vamp. which is lucky because it was in the middle of a kind of song where I mean, what, what you would won't you... be able to stop. Yeah, yeah just, just keep, keep going. going. Yeah, yeah. Wow, that's scary. Um, tell us about the show, like Aladdin. Obviously, a big, big musical. What happens in terms of a show like that? Does it have changes? Do musical things kind of tweak? And if so, how do you do that? And what do you do? Yeah, I mean, we're into our third cast now, and we've made little tiny changes to just to tailor it to each individual actor. And you know, some of the underscore won't time out with different actors' performances, so we'll, I'll take some bars out, I'll change it, or repeat bars, or do whatever I need to do. Um, and yeah, in terms of the songs, I mean, the songs for Aladdin are quite, you know, they are what they are. So there's not a lot we need to change and have changed um, with those 
or long. But yeah, little, little tiny things. And the interpretation is always different. I'm always open to, you know, you've got to make it work for that actor and not, not go, no, this is how you have to sing it because this is how it should be. It's about making it the best it can be for that individual actor and whatever they bring to it. So you're just trying to have to, have to encourage that and let them bloom. Any emergencies that have happened? Obviously, you mentioned Aladdin on stage, but from a musical perspective, is there a point where you've had to kind of stop or change or anything dramatic happened that you kind of weren't expecting? I, I'm not sure about Aladdin, but I do remember um, years ago, I was doing Jerry Springer, and um, it was Michael Brandon was playing Jerry, and um, he missed out two pages of music. Because he, he didn't sing, he just had lots of cue... All his lines were all cue lines for either the music... For the, and, you, and that show was really tricky to conduct. It was a big conduct. And the, 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 the chorus at the side of the stage and the orchestra, so you had all, a lot of people to deal with all watching you. And he, um, he missed out two whole pages of music. So you had to, you're trying to conduct the choir who knew where he was, but the musicians didn't. So you're shouting out a bar number to the musicians. While that, so that was... I mean, that was fairly early on, on in my career. Luckily, I got... the there's never been anything that bad since. Finally, what is it you love about being an MD? I love making music every day, live music. So I love to go in, particularly Aladdin, because I go in there and I conduct a 15-piece orchestra and that's all London's finest musicians. I to get to work at that level to hear those people play a brilliant score and also a brilliant orchestration. Um, so to make that sort of live music. And it's the, the best way you can do it by being involved in theatre by make, playing live music um, so that's what and also I just got theatre in my blood I think I just always loved theatre and get theatre and have been a theatrical person so I just love the whole the live element of all these people coming together in a room to create something um, dramatic Acting Up with Jamie Crick Finally on Acting Up I went to see the team at Joe Allen's it's the iconic London restaurant where the stars go to relax after they've been doing a show so you could find yourself in the restaurant sitting next to somebody really really famous or indeed just another punter who was at the show you were at and I met up with Cathy and Josephine who were involved in the team there Cathy's the uh, general manager Josephine looks after the ambassadors in the theatre world who represent the uh, restaurant uh, amongst theatre goers and theatre lovers and of course the performers. Each week we're going to chat to them about well who's been in and what uh, happened and indeed some of the exciting developments they've got coming in 2019. Joe Allen's is London's only theatre restaurant and you are surrounded here with an amazing array of posters, are you not? Some of them of existing shows, some of them of past shows. It's just, it is the best restaurant in London. There is no question. And that's part of keeping the atmosphere of the move from the old site to this site, Cathy. I mean, it literally was all taken off the walls and put back up by your team. All taken off the walls and then it all had to be bubble wrapped and then stashed and then I had to remember where I put it and then we had to bring it back and then we had to put it all on the walls so it's all been rather Some exciting. Some pretty valuable things you wouldn't want to lose really. Yeah, no, absolutely <laughs> yeah. and we're all a bit excited because the back corridor of, of the hotel that we're situated in is just about to be Joe Allen's as well oh. so we've got more opportunity to put more fabulous posters up and more memorabilia. And we did also curate everything from the old restaurant, yeah. didn't we? So we sort of brought the best, changed some things, and De Winters were very generous to us and allowed us to go and look at their archive and choose wonderful posters, which we've got a whole wall of De Winters artwork, which is fabulous. I was, was going to... I mean, let's, whilst we're on that subject, because we've talked a little bit about this before, mm, just, mm. just chatting over coffee, I mean, there is something about 
Joellen that sits in the theatre world and it's this atmosphere and the posters and that sort of history isn't it the people who come and have been in the past yes I mean it's all about the people it's the people's restaurant in a sense and it's everybody's got their own stories that we have ill behavior or marvelous behavior or birthdays or events or people they saw and we, we've been canteen to the stars for years and years and years and years now so that sort of embedded in the furniture the real stories yeah exactly it's all very wonderful i mean i've been coming to this restaurant for oh i hate to think don't Don't do the maths i won't even begin to do the maths because it will belie my age but it is it is absolutely incredible the atmosphere here there is nowhere else where you will go and you can sit alongside really really famous people and you can have judy dench at the next table but nobody bats an eyelid in a good way in a good way and and in in the sense that those people um come to the restaurant but uh, you know if if you only relied on on judy dench and other people who are in shows to come to come here so so they i mean the public don't seem to hassle them Uh, the they don't seem to mind you know the average joe like me turning up and having having some food as well precisely because i think there is no fuss made about it and i think that's why very famous people come here quite happily because nobody bothers them, nobody asks for autographs. But for, for, for people like me, you know, Joe Public, you go away and you go, wow, I sat next to yeah, yeah, X yeah. and it was lovely. Um, yeah. And they eat a lot. <laughs> so, so everybody's important. Everybody's equally important. Nobody's more important than anybody else. And we're very aware some people spend a lot of time saving up their precious pennies to come to us. And we are so grateful and love them. And everybody's welcome and everybody's a VIP to us. So, so how was last year, Christmas we've just had, New Oof. Year of course. I mean, are you now looking back at that and going, right, <laughs> let's gear up for the new year? Or do you look back and go, well, that was a good year? No, it was a good year. It was an interesting year. We could, uh, you know, there's obviously some political challenges that make it all difficult for anybody in any kind of industry, not knowing what's going on. But we had a good year and we had an amazing Christmas, but we're all kind of quivering in the corner now because it's been very hard work and we take a breath and now there's a new exciting year, a new page to be written. So, yeah. And on, on that subject, Josephine, can you hint at something which <laughs> might be coming, which we can't take too much about? Well, um, there are a number of initiatives in the pipeline. One of them is uh, our performance brunches, which are going to happen on a Sunday. We're hoping to have maybe three or four this year. Uh, We'd love to have lots. We'd love to have them every week, but they are a nightmare to (laughs) organise. This is cast of current shows coming along this is the unique selling point is a lot of people have performances at restaurants from you know people who've performed in the west end ours are people from the current casts of west end shows which makes it super exciting i mean we did one with bat out of hell which was incredible we had four members of bat out of hell and And to hear those (laughs) we we had an electric atmosphere yeah we did and uh, you know andrew polek who who won the Mm. the best newcomer to the west end extraordinary voice to hear those people singing acoustically at joe's with just piano is such a privilege and a treat and can't say what the next one is but we're almost there so right. we'll announce okay. it just well, as soon as we possibly can you'll be the first to hear here as, <laughs> yes. as it were yeah. and, and, and Cathy what's I mean a highlight of last year for you probably was amongst that the performance branches that we actually because we had so much work we finally getting them off the ground and those those sort of yes. going through um, other highlights the launch, oh, was the launch was pretty amazing but wasn't that the year before 
It all just goes into one. It feels like yesterday. Oh, was it the no, no company? We launched company here, didn't we? Yes, of course. I remember that. That was spectacular. We had Patty Lapone down, Rosalie Craig, and of course from the old Bake Off, Armel. Yeah, so it was Armel, and of course the incredible Marianne. Oh my goodness, director extraordinaire. You know, just to just to she is amazing and she's lovely and so humble and. So down to earth, and they were just a lovely group of people to deal with. And we'll be hearing more from uh, both Kathy and Josephine every single week here on Acting Up. Johnny, Jamie, I've got some breaking news just before we go. The fabulous uh, Michelle Fazage, who's currently in Everyone's Talking About Jamie, is leaving, and the new person to take up the role of Miss Hedge is Hayley Tamadin, who of course is in Emmerdale and Dancing on Ice, so she should be absolutely fabulous. Also, the fabulous Leighton Williams, as we know, is going in as Jamie, so looking forward to seeing that. Wow, yes, you heard it here first on Acting Up, and uh, we went to the theatre, uh, which was absolutely brilliant, Carolina Change, just uh, extraordinary show, and what a great performance. Fantastic performances across the board, but of course, the lead the star, the icon that is Sharon D. Clark. Mm. What a performance. Well, I mean, she I just mean, didn't just, stop. She looks like she's, it's effortless when she sings. That's the incredible thing. And the character she creates, I was thinking about this, is that it's such a still sort of character, tormented character, who gets angry in the show, but you just want to know more about her all the way through. It's, it's brilliant. It really is. And I have to say, a fantastic ensemble cast as well. Great performances from the kids. Make sure you head down to see it at the Playhouse Theatre in London's West End. And if you want more enticement for that, we're going to be talking to Sharon next week on Acting Up about being in the show and, of course, her career thus far. So looking forward to that. That'll be really exciting. Just before we go, please make sure you follow us on our social channels. Just search on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter for Acting Up Pod. If you want to get in touch, email us hello at actinguppod.com and, most importantly, please make sure you subscribe to this podcast. And if you liked it, you thought we're worthy of a five-star review, yeah. make sure you give us a review on click, click your five podcast stars. platform. Five stars. Absolutely. That's what we're here. And we'll see you next week for your Theatre Week here at Acting Up. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Acting Up with Jamie Crick, Kerry Ellis and Johnny Bunyan. Acting Up is a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, please email sales at muddyneesmedia.com.